to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're discussing the differences between book buying and book reading. You think you know the differences? You think you you know the relationship? You don't. Stick around. (laughs) Plus an interview with Glasser, all-time favorite, Mike Chen, and recommendations for underwater novels. But first, Bria, what are you reading? Now, I think I checked off two reading glasses challenges with this book. Whoa. Without meaning to. I read Once There Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. <gasps> I have this on my TBR. I was wondering if you'd read it. Okay. First of all, I thought I was going to read a horror book. <laughs> it's not a horror book. So I will say I checked out, uh, I, I picked a book based on its cover. That is a reading glasses challenge check because I started reading and I was like, is this not a horror book? Like I just assumed it was. It also all takes place in the Scottish Highlands, which I didn't realize also. Uh, oh. So it's, it takes place in a place that I have never been. I've never been to Scotland. So two reading glasses challenge boxes checked right off. Um, wow. This book is awesome. I could not believe how good this book was. Okay. Oh my God. So, I'm so excited. I thought, I, I straight up thought it was a horror book or a fantasy novel. Cause I was like, once there were wolves, it sounds like fantasy. I mean, it does sound like a fan. It does sound like it could be either of those, but it's, like, oh, it's, it's like just like straight up literary fantasy. fiction. Right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Straight up literary fiction. So it's about this woman who, and she has a twin and basically she is trying, she's part of a group of scientists who are trying to reintroduce gray wolves into the Scottish Highlands. And which is something that actually they are, you know, there's certain parts of the world that they are trying to reintroduce wolves into. And it kind of goes back and forth between her and her present day. And then also some stuff that happened with her twin sister because she was in a, a horrible marriage. And they're very, very close. And it's also about her like, her problems with the community because the community, some of the community, not all the community, but some very vocal members of the community are super unhappy about the wolves because there's a lot of farmers there and they're like, they're going to eat our sheep. They're going to attack people. And then someone is found dead and they're like, well, was it the wolves? And she gets involved in a way that she shouldn't get involved. And it's just like really beautifully written in this like cold sort of remote area. And it's a mystery. It ends up being kind of a mystery literary fiction because you don't know who killed this man, but you know that the main woman has like some involvement. And you you know what happened. You're aware of that part of it. Mm. Sounds so good. It is so Good. And I've never been to Scotland. Uh, I'm trying to go this year, as you know. And so this was like exciting for me to get to to read and think about Scotland. And it also has a lot to do with wolves. Check the content warnings for animal death and some other other things in it that are mm-hmm. uh, not a lo- lot of violence in this book because it is about a violent thing that happened to her sister. But it wow, what a good book. I loved this book. I don't know who recommended oh, this wow. book to me if it wasn't you. And I didn't read Migrations, but I now I might. I read, see, I read Migrations when it came out and I really liked it. Okay, okay. Because all her books have that like nature element to them. Oh, because Migrations is what? Is is bird Birds. related? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'll, pff, I'm going to get that book too. This book was Migrations great. is really good. I'm about to add it to my, add it to my library list. Uh, what are you reading? So I just finished another romanticy. I am... Love it. I have my seat purchased on the romanticy train. I am here. <laughs> I am on it. I am in it. I am loving it. It is a book called That Time I Got Drunk and Saved a Demon oh, by yeah. Kimberly Lemming. I'm interested in this book. It was so much fucking fun. Okay. So 
again, our friends over at Orbit really hooked us up and sent us a bunch of romanticy books when we were like, hey, I'm doing it. We're doing an episode about this. They were like that. You know, that gif of Leonardo DiCaprio when he's like throwing money at people. Mm -hmm. They did that, but with romanticy books at us. And there's a. Three books in the series so far. It's called the Mead Mishap series. And they originally were self-published and then Orbit got them, gave them new incredible covers. And they all they just released, I think, all of them this month. And oh my God. I was like, I see how people just inhale this whole series. So mm-hmm. the first book, it is about this, this is like this fantasy world, this little fantasy village, and these people believe that they are being protected by de- like demons in the world by this goddess who kind of protects their village and they like, you know, do all these offerings to this goddess and they have these regular festivals to like, you know, not sacrifice, but they like, you know, they like worship this goddess and they're like, oh, she's protecting us from anything that happens. And during one such festival, the main character, she's a spice trader and she doesn't want adventure. She's not interested in any of that. Her sister had died a few years before that in like kind of an adventure scenario. So she's like, nope, I just want to sell spices. I want to eat cheese. I want to get drunk. I want to hang out. And then she's walking home from the festival. She's really drunk. She's kind of stumbling home and she ends up accidentally finding a demon and saving him and she panics at first because she's like why is there a demon here this goddess is supposed to protect us and through something i won't tell you this demon ends up talking to her and being like hey everything that you think about your village is wrong that Mm -hmm. goddess that is protecting you she's not a goddess and the things that she's protecting you from you don't need protecting from and this demon is like all right well i'm not going to murder you or your whole family but i do want you to help me overthrow this what you call a goddess and she does not want to but she also doesn't want him to eat her whole family so she's like fine so she ends up going on this quest with this demon to overthrow this entity and he's really into her Mm. and she's like trying to resist because she's like he's so sexy but he's also a fucking demon and could murder me at any moment and i don't want to say it's cozy because they definitely like get into some wild adventure stuff and like there's monster like all, all, all kinds of stuff is happening but it is so much fun and it's very steamy like mm. this is i mean open door romance there's no door the door has been ripped off the hinges the, you it is very very spicy nope barn I, no door, pun intended barn giant's door you could find is wide open <laughs> wide open but i absolutely loved it and i like i literally put it down and i was like thank god i have the next book in the series because i cannot wait to read it it's just an absolute blast if you are someone who likes romanticy if you like really spicy stuff and it's also really funny it's very quirky and silly and it's just uh perfect like midwinter I haven't seen the sun in three days read. Mm-hmm. Definitely just a blast. So that it's that time I got drunk and saved a demon by Kimberly Lemming. This is also a great winter book because it's like the snow and gray wolves and the Scottish oh, Highlands. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Anyway, Once There Are Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Lots of glassers wrote in about their 2024 reader resolutions, which we love to see. Megan said, hello. So my friends and I are doing an avoid the store in 2024 because we counted our physical books we all own that we haven't read. And it ranges from 180 to 600. 100 plus. Wow. wow, 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 wow. We all made our own buying rules for ourselves. Like, how many do we have to read before we can buy a book? Fair. Pre-orders from 2023 don't count. Okay. We got to pick some auto-buy authors, which are authors we don't care. How many books we own, we're always going to buy this author. Mm-hmm. 
Books bought with gift cards from holidays don't count. That's basically <laughs> And if you break your rule, you have to donate money to your, a charity of your choice. It's the eighth and two people have already made donations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've missed some that people picked, but we all wanted to get more off our TBRs. So we made it like a game for us, but personalized. I fucking love this. Great, great, great. Avoid the store in 2024. I love it. That's a great uh, New Year's resolution too. To figure it's it out and make for- rules for yourself. For everything, for for books. I know a lot of people who are doing this with clothes, like a big, you know, shop your closet yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is fantastic, but I also love that they carved out space for like, okay, if an author that I really love has a book coming out, I can get it. Yeah, that's really <laughs> funny. Yeah. Why not? You, you get to I make your it. own rules. Victoria wrote in and said, hi, Brian Mallory. I was listening to the most recent episode, episode 340, public reader number one. And Mallory mentioned that she became overwhelmed when trying to track her number of pages in a day. This is actually one of my resolutions for 2024. I wanted to share my method for anyone else who may be embarking on the same journey. I am an avid StoryGraph user. This, that is the only way I am able to write down my pages read in my book journal. I always have a few books going at the same time, often an audiobook or two and a physical book as well. I log all of my progress at the end of the day and then use the statistics tab set to the month that we are currently in. StoryGraph automatically calculates all the reading you've done into a graph that does the pages and minutes you've read per day. It also accounts for changes in font sizes on the Kindle as well because it calculated based off of how far you are in the book. Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. It has pulled me out of many reading slumps in recent times. I don't think I've looked at this part of StoryGraph. So I am using StoryGraph now. the American Express of reading. Strangely, the one thing I really like about it is at the end, it which it doesn't publish, is it asks you like things that you thought about this, like uh, uh, categories this book is in or whatever, which actually helps me think about the book a lot, which is helpful. But I oh. haven't really looked at the pages. That's interesting. I, yeah. I, I shouldn't say this out loud, but yeah. I will okay. because it's set to private. Well, I know this. Bria knows this this dirty little secret of mine that I made a secret private story graph and I've been because I after everyone talked about it I I looked within and said I want a little graph too (laughs) so what I think we should do is we should do a book tech segment at some point soon and like assess our feelings about story graph yeah I think we didn't we do it at one point but we just haven't we yeah, haven't. but we, I, that was really on. I feel like mm. it, that was really on in StoryGraph. And StoryGraph is growing so much and mm-hmm. adding so much. To, I, I think it was a couple of years ago. So that this was in like when it first started. And there's been a lot of features added. So I think we need a updated StoryGraph review. Yeah, I don't use it the way that they do. So I, the way Victoria does, because I don't log my progress at the end of each day. It calculates all the reading you've done into a graph that does the minutes and pages you've read per day. That's so interesting. Okay. I can't find that part of it. So Yeah, I think we'll have to play around with it a little yeah. bit. Well, mm-hmm. I, well, I know that the app is pretty new too, so. Oh, I see. I'm on the website right now, so maybe it's in the app too. All right. Well, look for that, folks. We'll do a big story graph review soon. And folks, if you have more story graph thoughts, write in and let us know. We'll, we'll read them out on the show. Mm-hmm. Abby said, Brian Mallory, I didn't have any specific reading resolutions, but your most recent episode got me thinking. One, completely break up with Amazon with books. I'm generally pretty good about not using Amazon, but I want to make it a point to not use them at all when it comes to buying books. Mm-hmm. Two, I have a book number goal, but also a book number limit. I usually set a low book goal, especially being in school, but I also want to put a cap on the number of books I read to prioritize quality over quantity. I love that. Wow. I love that. Wonderful. 
Three, I want to keep the fiction slash nonfiction pie chart on Storygraph, speaking of, as close to 50-50 as possible. I did this last year and loved it. I usually read a good mix of fiction and nonfiction, but trying to keep it 50-50 inspired me to read nonfiction titles I probably wouldn't have picked up in the first place and ended up the year with 45% of my reading being fiction and 55 being nonfiction. Wow. Thanks so much for cultivating such a lovely bookish community and adding to my ever-growing TBR. Bria, you want to read Abby's Wheelhouse? Mm Mm-hmm. POV character spiraling into madness, unhinged women <laughs> slash female rage, poetically written nonfiction, unreliable narrators, 90s slash early 2000s setting, NYC, and strong sister dynamics. Love that. Love it. Mm-hmm. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Just a reminder, folks, that the Glasser Voted Book Club is going to happen March 1st. It's a Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific. This is a Maximum Fund member-only event. I will be posting the Zoom link in the Slack, but if you are a member who is not in the Slack and also wants to join, just email us. Let us know. I'll send you the invite. And if you want to join in and you are not a a reading glasses member for a mere five dollars a month you can sign up at maximumfund.org slash join to both support the show which comes out every week and requires a lot of work but also get all these hot hot glasser perks like <laughs> access to the slack and access to members only events like this we're really excited but uh, the glassers chose starling house by alexi harrow people are already reading it bria is loving it glassers are loving it we're gonna talk about the book and the zoom it's gonna be super fun i'm really excited about it and remember again it's not too late if you want to join go to maximumfund.org slash join to sign up email us proof and we will send you a link to the to the zoom event again that's march 1st at 5 p.m pacific that's a friday and uh it's starling house it's gonna be awesome so before we discuss book buying versus book reading we're gonna take a quick break reading glasses is brought to you in part this week by pair eyewear Folks, what is your vision for this new year? What do you want to do in 2024? You want to read 500 books? You want to read some new genres? You want to read in some new places? Whatever your vision is for this year, let Pear Eyewear bring things into focus. Pear Eyewear base frames start at just $60, which includes your prescription. They also offer progressive lenses, which is very exciting. Folks, what is Pear Eyewear? Pear Eyewear is an eyewear company that basically you pick out a base frame And they come in all different widths and sizes and shapes. I like the cat's eye because that's kind of me. And what you can do is browse for top frames that magnetically stick on the top of the base frames, which means that you can change out the pattern, the color, the holiday representation for your glasses as many times a day as you want. It is fantastic. If you work, maybe you work in an office and you want to you know, dress conservatively, but have a little bit of excitement on your face. Pear eyewear is perfect for you. If you're a sports fan, they have hockey and baseball and football and basketball. I have Washington Capitals top frames for my pair eyewear, which is very exciting. I like to wear them to Caps games and I feel a little cooler than everybody else there. Cause I'm like, Oh, do you have Capitals 
glasses? I don't think so. It's fantastic. You can get Halloween top frames. You can get Christmas top frames. You can get for different colors. You can get pride top frames. There's just so much. It's so fun to browse. You should at least go over to the website and check it out. It's fantastic. And again, their curated selection of base frames start at just $60, which includes the prescription. Also, there's add-ons like blue light blocking if you want to block all the blue light from all the screens you have to look at every day. It is wonderful and you can visualize a fantastic new year with Pear Eyewear. Go to Pear Eyewear wear.com and use code glasses for 15% off your first pair and you can support our show by mentioning that reading glasses sent you in the post checkout survey so that's pair p-a-i-r eyewear.com code glasses glasses hello sleepyheads sleeping with celebrities is your podcast pillow pal we talk to remarkable people about unremarkable topics all to help you slow down your brain and drift off to sleep. For instance, we have the remarkable Neil Gaiman. I'd always had a vague interest in live culture, food preparation. Sleeping with Celebrities, hosted by me, John Moe, on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Night-night. This week, we're discussing a hot reader topic, book buying versus book reading. Are they totally different hobbies? If so, how do you integrate them? Does it even matter? We have got you covered. Today's episode was inspired by Mackenzie. Bria, you want to read uh, Mackenzie's query to us? Yes, I do. Mackenzie wrote in, Hi, Bria Mallory. I'm going through my story graph. Wow, story graph. Hot. And marking which books I own. As I go through the process, it's hard to not notice there is a distinct difference between books I buy and books I read. There are books I own that I want to read and will likely read, but there are also those that I want to want to read. Those books that I wish I was interested in, but I just don't think I am. This is the first time I've seen such a clear difference between my book buying hobby and my book reading hobby. It's as if the book buying hobby caters to the person I wish I was, while the books I read represent who I actually am. Do you have any thoughts on this distinction and any recommendations on how to get the two hobbies more aligned? I mean, who knows? Maybe I will read those books, but I only have so much shelf space. Thanks for a wonderful podcast and happy reading. Wow. I love this. (laughs) We actually got this pretty recently. Uh, As we said on the show before, we have, I think the, the document that we have of reader questions is like 50 60 70 pages long but i loved this so much that i was like no we're, we're talking about this right now I'm bumping <laughs> this to the front of the queue i think this is actually a pretty common reader issue which we can tell by the number of memes that people send us about it on mm-hmm. instagram yes bria what do you think are book buying and book reading two separate hobbies okay okay so just to be clear she's buying books based on who she wants to be and she's reading books based on what she just wants to read like yes. who she actually is I mean, look, I think they could be two separate hobbies, but maybe that's a waste of money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I will say I will buy books sometimes, buy books, physical books, but I read so many eBooks that it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense because I'll buy a book because I'm like in a bookstore. I'm like, I want to support this bookstore and I buy a Mm -hmm. book, which which is a weird hobby, a weird thing that I do, but because mostly because I'm there and I want to support the bookstore and I think, oh yeah, I am going to read this. And then I don't read it because it's not on my Kindle. And I have in the past bought a book and then gone and got it on my Kindle. Realize so I will actually, or yes, it's on. It's already on my Kindle. Or 
I'll just go get it on my Kindle because then I know it'll actually get read and then it mm-hmm. can sit on my shelf. So I have definitely done this, maybe in a little bit of a different way, but I have definitely done this. What about you? Are these separate hobbies? Have you done this? Is this something you participate in? These two separate hobbies of buying and reading? <laughs> yeah, I definitely think they can be separate. They don't have to be, but I think they can be. As a person who likes to collect things, I get it. I have 5 million fountain pens, 5 million bottles of fountain pen ink. I like collecting things. I have that urge. I, I also really like the aesthetic of being surrounded by my things. Mm. That's a, I think that's something that contributes to this is like, I like the aesthetic of being surrounded by books. Mm-hmm. So that is a totally separate thing from the fact that I like to read. And I, I think a big part of it too is that buying books feels the same as buying groceries. It's okay. very aspirational. Oh. You be- <laughs> like when you buy kale, like three things of kale is sort of like, I want to have a healthy week. And then you toss yeah. it at the end of the week. Yeah. And then you throw uh, two weeks later, you throw away the slimy puddle mm-hmm. of kale that's in the mm-hmm. bottom of your fridge because you had like, you know, three fig bars instead for lunch. That yeah. <laughs> it's very aspirational because you like Mackenzie said, you want to be the person who's going to cook and eat all that fresh produce that you bought. It feels like every time you go grocery shopping and every time you go book shopping, it feels like the chance to be a better version of yourself. Mm, yeah. And like also another thing I feel the same way about buying books as I do buying groceries. The act of buying books can be fun. Like just the act of like yeah. you're you're browsing. I love a browse. We we mm-hmm. talked last episode about how like after 9 p.m. it's fun to go on your phone and shop for things that you don't need. It is. I love a browse. I love looking online in stores. I love being in a bookstore. I love looking at titles. I like it just like it's the same way as when I'm looking at groceries. I'm like, ooh, this might be delicious. This is fun to look at. You know, it's very easy to have a fun book buying trip. Maybe you're with your friends. Maybe it's a little self date. You're walking around this cute bookstore. Maybe you have a cute coffee. You're having fun. You bring the books home. You set them up in a shelf or a little stack, and you let them sit there for a <laughs> year. The same as those oranges that you swear yeah. that you were going to have for lunch and said, and you let them rot. And again. Because it's aesthetic, you can want to buy a book because it's pretty. You want it on your shelf. And because of all those things, these can be completely separate hobbies. Sure. I see. I see. So how do we, for people who are struggling with this, Bria, how do we get the buying and the reading a little more aligned? Well, I think this is a big, look, talking about it, recognizing it. You know, I think that that is very important. We often talk about the books we want to read and then we sit down and read them and then we're like, oh, I wish I was just reading Legends and Lattes again or whatever. And you know what? <laughs> That's fine. Just recognize that, right? And I think the first step is going to be getting a very honest TBR list, right? So when you go to the store and you're looking at the books and you're like, no, no, I have always wanted to read a 900-page book about a biography of JFK or whatever. I want to <laughs> be that person. Don't buy that book because it's not on your honest TBR list. Your honest TBR list, whatever that is, if it's uh, the time I got drunk and was it whatever whatever the book you just said. Oh, yeah, the time I got drunk and saved a demon. (laughs) Yeah, like if that is what your honest TBR list is, then like you can still enjoy the book buying aspect. You just need to buy the book that you think you're actually going to read. Yeah, I think that is a hot, hot tip is being (laughs) the honest, the brutally honest TBR list. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because I also think. Uh, This isn't even in the outline for the episode, but I wonder, Bria, if sometimes this can get people into book slumps because they go out, buy all the books they think they should read, bring them home. And then when they look at their shelf of stuff to read, they're like, I don't actually want to read any of this. I want to read 
about horny fairies again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I got all this. I got all the serious literary fiction that I thought would improve my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't so, want to read any of it. <laughs> so, what advice do you have for Mackenzie in getting these two things more aligned? Oh, I'm I'm the same way as you. I'm very proud of her for knowing herself enough to know that she wants to want to read some of these books. So I think at the moment of purchase, you're in a bookstore, you're on bookshop.org. You got to start asking yourself the hard questions. Why are you buying this book? Are like, is this something you want to read immediately? Or is mm-hmm. it just a buzzy book? Or is it just pretty? Or is it something you feel like you should buy? Again, I'm keeping the grocery metaphor going because I started doing this when I'm like, okay, I'm seeing all the, here's a bag full of kale chopped salad and I pick it up. I'm like, do I see myself eating this within a week? Mm. Or is this just like something that I, I want other like people at Trader Joe's yeah. to see me putting <laughs> in my cart? You know, does this sound like something that, you know, does it look like something you want to read right now? Because if you don't, you don't need that book right now. Yeah. You know, like you can put it, you can, you can put it back on the shelf. You go to at like, and I, I started also doing this with my online shopping is that I'll put a bunch of stuff in my cart, but I'm not allowed to press purchase until the next morning. Yeah, that's smart. And then I wake up and I'm like, why did I put yeah, you have more 15 willpower. sleeveless deadlift shirts in a, in a <laughs> uh, 99% of the time when I do that, I wake up the next day and I don't even want anything that's in my cart. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. You have the willpower in the morning to say no. So what else, Bria? What are some other hot uh, okay. buying, buying reading alignment tips? Here's a tip. I'm just trying to keep Mackenzie from buying anything. Maybe you could try out the books that you think you might be reading. You want to read from the library before buying. If you read them, you like them, buy them after that, you know? And then you can be looking for them in the bookstore. You can just go and be like, oh, I loved this book. Now I want it on my shelf, you know? And so the library will save you from buying a bunch of books that you don't actually want to read. And you can get those aspirational books from the library and you can read them and be like, you know what? I don't want to read this and I don't want to own it. I don't want Mm -hmm. any of it. Like, this may be a very complicated system of getting around this, but maybe if you do it for a little while, you get into the hobby of actually knowing what you want to be reading. Yes. Also, I, I always forget that on Libby, and you can also use Amazon to do this too, you can just preview a book. So there's yep. been, I've, I've gotten a lot better about doing that of like, oh, okay, here's a buzzy book. I'm interested in reading this. And I, most of the time, if we're all honest with ourselves, you can read that sample chapter and you'll know within a few pages if the writing style, if it, if it's if it's for you. And I have both bought a bunch of books, but also not bought a bunch of books because of that. A lot of times I, if I see a book that is interesting, I'll look at the preview on Libby. And if I think it's fun, I will put it on hold. And if I really like it, I will actually return that book to the library mid book and then buy it. <laughs> because I'm like, I want that. I did that with saving um, money. With my newsletter recommendation for January, uh, Madalena in the Dark, mm-hmm. I finally got, I liked the preview and I finally got, I read the first chapter on Libby and I was like, this is so great. I'm just going to buy this book. Right. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm really happy about it because I'm like, all right, this book has arrived. I already have started reading it. I know that I'm going to like it and it makes me want to read it more. I'm wondering if that's where Mackenzie's getting a lot of her books from is from the library. Like she's buying the aspirational books, but she's getting the books who really wants to read from the library. So Maybe. let the library work for you. Or again, to you can you can also do it on Amazon because um, mm-hmm. that's only a bummer about bookshop.org is they don't have that preview thing. Yeah. But like, listen, Amazon is made to sell books. You, you put it in your favor. Even if you're not buying the books on Amazon, read that preview. And I think that'll help. And that'll because then when you have that book on your shelf, you already know you're going to like it. So you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. And you'll be excited about it. Yeah. 
I think the other thing I think we should just make clear, there is no required reading as an adult. Yes. You don't have the books that you're like, oh, I want to want to read that. You're viewing that as like some sort of required reading for you to be a good person or be the person you want to be. You're already a cool person. You're already mm-hmm. a person that I like. I don't know you, but I'm sure you're great. Uh, like you people will not love you any more or less if you read this one book. You are not, and you will not be a better person if you read this one book. You are a great person already. There's no required reading. You can actually just read the book you want to read instead of feeling like you have to read this one book, unless you're in school or something, and then you do have to go read it. I'm sorry. But but other than that, I think there's no required reading. So last hot tip before we we move on is something that I realized recently because I was putting together comp titles for a book that I'm I'm pitching. A lot of us are made to think that there's certain books that are the upper echelon of culture. You know, the books that mm-hmm. are reviewed in the New York Times. They are the serious books. They are the books that are, quote, most worthy. And if you read these books, you will be participating in the best part of the culture and you'll be able to talk about them. If you go on Goodreads or Storygraph and you look at those like very literary, very fantastic. I mean, but also, you know, not genre, like very, uh, like highly acclaimed, highly critically reviewed. If you look how many reviews there are versus the reviews on Legends and Lattes. Because <laughs> I was putting together this book pitch and there's this memoir that was le- that came out a couple of years ago that was like, again, reviewed in the New York Times, very highly acclaimed. I looked on Goodreads, there were like 400 reviews for it. And I was like, wow seems pretty low mm-hmm. and then I was like that's interesting and then I looked later that day I was looking at like a T. Kingfisher book and there was like 10,000 reviews yeah. so it's funny because if you actually want to read the books that people are talking about and like mm-hmm. common culture you will be reading uh, that time I got drunk and saved a demon <laughs> so if you are ever feeling like you are not reading the books you quote should be reading and you want to participate in like culture that's what the culture wants right now. The culture wants horny fairies. That's mm-hmm. what most, like more, tens of thousands of people are reading those. That's yeah. what that's what the common reader, the common man wants. So like, mm-hmm. let that make you feel better. If you're ever like, oh, I feel like this book, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure. It's not as like, quote, serious. But that's what, that's what the populace wants, okay? And that's so what, all of it's okay. Anything you want to read is okay. All books are real books. No pressure on yourself. Buy the books you really want and interrogate yourself about it. Preview it at the library or get just get it from the library. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you'll be able to save your book budget for the books that you know you're going to like. Like mm-hmm. we t- talked about at the top of the show, those auto buy authors that you already know you're going to love. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you'll have more budget in your books for more books that you like. So you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com before we talk to class or fave. Mike Chen about his new book, A Quantum Love Story. We're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Microdose Gummies. But what are Microdose Gummies? They're gummies that deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. There are so many places in your daily life where Microdose Gummies could help you. Maybe you need help calming down and relaxing after a long day. Maybe you need help getting to sleep at night. I know I do. Maybe you need help unwinding after a tough session at the gym. That's something that 
I definitely deal with. Maybe you just want a, a little boost to help get you in the zone, get you a little more creative, make you feel a little more focused. Whatever it is, Microdose Gummies has got you covered. Lots of folks are microdosing daily to feel better and perform better, and you can get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code GLASSES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code GLASSES for 30% off and free shipping, microdose.com, promo code GLASSES. GLASSES. My name's Doug Duguay, and I'm here to talk about my podcast in the middle of the one you're listening to. It's called Valley Heat, and it's about my neighborhood, the Burbank Rancho Equestrian District, the center of the world when it comes to foosball, frisbee golf, and high-speed freeway roller skating. And there's been a Jaguar parked outside on my curb for 10 months. I have no idea who owns it. I have a feeling it's related to the drug drop that was happening in my garbage can a little over a year ago. And if this has been a boring commercial, imagine 45 minutes of it. Okay, Valley Heat, it's on every month on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Check it out, but honestly, skip it. These are the These chronicles, are the chronicles of the Rancho Equestrian District in Burbank, Burbank California. California. These are the events taking place in my house and around my house. Oh, wow. Here we are with Mike Chen. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about his new book, many time guests of the show. Mike, how many times have you been on the show? This is, so I've been on once for each of my HarperCollins releases. So this would be number six. Wow. Welcome back. We're excited to have you. Tell us, what are you reading? I am reading, and this is for Mallory specifically, The Secret History of Twin Peaks by Mark Frost. Oh, <laughs> I think she has read it. I'm pretty sure she read that when it came out. So I read it too when it came out um, in like 2017, but I recently discovered that the audiobook is narrated by a number of actors from the show, including Kyle McLaughlin, who reads <gasps> all of Agent Cooper's stuff. And so we just finished a rewatch of seasons one and two of Twin Peaks. Right. And before we jump into the Showtime season again, I wanted to revisit this. And so this has been a really great way to like really get immersed in it. And also, I noticed, um, I was going to ask Mallory this, if she found this weird, too. Like, rewatching seasons one and two of Twin Peaks, I was like, wow, there are a lot of adults having relationships with high schoolers. I never yeah. really picked up on that before. You know, I rewatched it. This is not about the show, but I rewatched it recently as well. Listen, it's weirder than I remembered it being. And there's a lot of it that I didn't remember at all. And, uh, yeah, it's a strange show. And you're right. There are a lot of adults having relationships with high schoolers. <laughs> yes. And also they don't go to high school very much, especially in season two. Uh, yeah. Season two gets so bizarre. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you're reading that uh, or listening to that. I will let Mallory know and I haven't listened to it. So maybe that will be the way I consume that book. That sounds really interesting. If you need more of Kyle MacLachlan as Agent Cooper, then you will get it as this. It's, it's like, it's so comforting. It's just like, Oh, he gets the cadence. Like he slips right back into it. It's just like Agent Cooper is just telling me his thoughts. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. Uh, first of all, tell us how it feels to be the number one recurring guest on Reading Glasses. I feel <laughs> like I have won a championship. Like I should be like, <laughs> I should have a belt. And then until someone beats my number, like when they do, then I can ship them the belt. But until yes. then, I should be walking around with a big belt on my shoulder. Great. Wonderful. Or it's like SNL. You like. Y'all, you come and you welcome someone into the six timer club. At some yes, point. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so can you tell us about your new book, which I thought was just so lovely. And I think Glassers will love um, a quantum love story. 
So a quantum love story is about two people named Mariana and Carter who are stuck in a time loop together four days uh, for, per each time loop to be specific. And so the question is like, what will they do to get through each loop? And then what are they willing to sacrifice in order to break out of the loop? And I really wanted to do um, a grounded look at how people would actually react to such a fantastical and ridiculous situation. And also what you can take away from being stuck in circumstances you wouldn't normally get through. Uh, I, I was on previously, I think it's visit number two mm-hmm. on reading glasses was my book about a pandemic, which was a beginning at the end. And thematically, though, I, I say that like, this is my actual pandemic book because it's about being stuck and not knowing what's going to happen and trying to appreciate the little things that you can during that time, but ultimately realizing that like there's no help coming for you. Like You have to get through it on your own. Um, and it also says love story in the title. And so it is as close to romance as I can write. And this may be the only so-called love story out there with only two kisses in the entire story. <laughs> it is quite chaste. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what made you want to do that? What made you want to venture into romance? Because I liked that aspect of the book. I mean, it's very central to the book, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it is a time loop book, and we could talk about that as well. But um, what made you want to go venture into romance for this one? So I like I feel like I have really hit the ground uh, or I've covered a lot of ground with like family relationships and friendship relationships and like professional relationships. And the any sort of romance was always like a B story mm-hmm. to me. And like I wanted to do something different. And so I wanted to just challenge myself to see if I could do this, um, not in a you know traditional romance, like spicy way, but like to put the relationship, to put the love story like front and center to to the motivations. And so when I was thinking about when I was thinking about like doing this like in sort of a time loop and then taking in like the thematic influences of like you know living through the past few years one of the things that I had looked at was um specifically how like friendships can happen in uncertain times and one of the things that like really made like my you know really caught my eye was my daughter, when when everything went into lockdown and we weren't sure like when we could, you know, even leave the house. My daughter at the time was five. And I have this author friend who like we always said, like, you know, it'd be great if we met up at a con and our kids could hang out because they're like the same age and they like the same stuff. And it was never feasible before. And then like I remember like we were all starting to get used to using Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my friend, like, well, your daughter likes you know, the same movies than as my daughter. And like, they have like no friends right now. So what if they just start like watching movies together? And so they developed this friendship in like the most unlikely of circumstances. Like if COVID had never happened, maybe they would have met as teens, like when me and her mom, like went to a con together, but they see each other every few weeks, even now, like they just played five hours of Among Us last weekend, which is really loud and annoying, <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but they built this whole friendship over, you know, she's in LA, we're, we're here, like we've only met them in person once, but they have this relationship that could not have happened otherwise. And so I wanted to take like that idea and then look at it from like an adult romance relationship. And then also the, the limitations of a time loop and how that would affect, you know, just how you would develop a relationship. And so that's how it all kind of came together. 
I love that. And um, I think that a lot of us can relate to that during the pandemic, sort of creating these relationships that maybe wouldn't have blossomed in like another time. I think that's really interesting. Um, so speaking of the time loop, how did you go about researching that? And um, why four days? Because, you know, most time loops, it's a day. It's mm -hmm. always it's always when you wake up, when you go to sleep, you know, and like and yours is four days, which actually made it a lot more interesting and allowed these characters to do a little bit more within each loop. That was kind of the purpose of it. So I looked at like, um, I looked at the cadence of other time loop stories and it is usually 24 hours. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right, it's usually centralized around like going to bed and waking up. And so I wanted an external like um, catastrophe to to kind of like frame a certain amount of time. And then I played with like, why four days? And I came with like, it's just long enough for you to be able to like go travel somewhere and do something without feeling like, like if if you had a time loop of like three months, you know, that would be easy. You know, you yeah. could travel somewhere, you could do great. everything that you want. You could just like, mm -hmm. you know, export your life somewhere. One day is not long enough to do that. Four days gives a good amount of time to like, feel like you can experience something, but you can't take it with you. And right. so that's like, I, I played with a bunch of different lengths when I was mapping this out, but it seemed to be like the right time. So then I looked at what else other time loop stories wind up doing. And it's usually, it's almost always just one person. And so, and even if there's a romance involved, it's like, like Groundhog Day, you know, mm -hmm. Andy McDowell is like gradually broken down, like into like shortcuts, you know, like Bill Murray has to like, he knows all this stuff right away so he can connect with her in like an hour. Mm -hmm. And then like they have a date, but I would, I want to differentiate by having two people in it and having them experience it and bring different values and experiences with them as they try to go through this. So in terms of structure, if you like my book and if you like my books in general, I might have recommended this last time I was on the show, Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie is not quite a time loop. It's about two people who keep getting resurrected in different stations of life, oh, but they okay. keep finding each other. So like one, one form, they're like parent child, one form, they're friends, one form, they're lovers. And then eventually they've come to realize that this is happening and they try to start figuring out how to break out of it. And when I read it and I told Catriona like right away, it's like, I'm so jealous you wrote this. I, mm -hmm. I wish I wrote this. Um, but then I talked with her about the structure. And when I started to do the time loop thing, um, the structure of her book actually was a really good way of like playing with like, how do you introduce the circumstances? And then how do you know when to fast forward with exposition? And how do you handle like kind of a, a third act left turn into something a little bit different to to try to explain the circumstances so um that's a that's a recommendation from me if you enjoy this book okay yay okay great so um you have a recurring theme of people disappearing for long periods of time mm -hmm. or being away from their families and friends and normalized for long periods of time throughout your work um and i don't want to give spoilers but this one does have both um, is there a reason for that? Is there a reason this ends up being a recurring theme sort of in your work? Um, I think we always write about the same stuff that we deal with in therapy. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably it. Right. <laughs> um, I, I do find like the, the impact of relationships, um, over time to be like really, really fascinating. And one of the things that I am most fascinated about is 
looking at our own lives and thinking about who we were at like different uh, phases. Like in my twenties, like I was, I was freelance writing, but I was focused on like playing in bands and DJing and like going clubbing every week. And so, you know, that person is completely different from who I am now where I'm like, can I go to bed at 10 o'clock tonight? Yes, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> so, and, and also like, you know, there are some friends that I've stayed friends with, you know, my entire life. And then there are other ones that like, I remember I, I caught up with a college friend after about like 15 years, a few years ago. And, and uh, she sees me from like across the courtyard where we're meeting and she yells, you look exactly the same. And it's like, you know, <laughs> what are the expectations that we have mm -hmm. for that sort of thing? But especially with through the lens of the pandemic, knowing that, you know, we we have all kind of changed in ways of like our careers have moved on or we didn't see people for a certain amount of time or like we have physically moved locations. And so like that sort of transformation is always kind of fascinating to me because you look at what are the core traits that you carry with you and like who do you stay in touch with and why are they important to you? Mm. I love that. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so you've answered all our normal questions. So I wanted to throw a new one at you. I felt like I didn't want to ask you the same thing over and over again. So do you have any hot reading tips for our listeners? It can be anything that you think is a good reading tip or book tip. So what I discovered with uh, library audiobooks and eBooks recently is that the Hoopla app, unlike... Um, Oh, I'm I'm Libro. Um, Libby. Oh, Libby. Libby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unlike okay. Libby, Hoopla does not have a queue. Everything is on demand. It's got <gasps> a smaller catalog, but you never have to wait for stuff. And so there's there like all of my books are on there. And so if I like need to revisit it for some reason, like for research, I can just like check it out and then you know go right to the chapter and then check it back in. There's a limit. I think I think it's like eight checkouts a month or something. Um, but for me, like I listen while I'm driving, so I can't burn through things that fast. And so sometimes if I have extra listens, I will just like recheck out like one of my daughter's favorites and we'll just listen to it again uh, while we're driving. So that is the Hoopla app. Make sure your library connects to it. Okay. That is one of the hottest tips I feel like we've ever gotten. And I didn't know that I use Hoopla for, um, uh, movies, I guess. Like that's mm. what I I'm on there for movies. Um, Right. They have movies as well. That's the, that's yeah. the library. Um, I didn't even I've never even looked at audiobooks on there. So, wow, that's a very hot tip. Life changing. Life changing. OK, where can listeners find you online? Where can they find the book? Uh, the book should be in all of the regular retailers. Hopefully your indie store carries it. You can find me online. My website that I need to update more often is MikeChanBooks.com. I am on social media at uh, the same handle everywhere, which is Mike Chen writer, not the food guy, not the minor league hockey player, not my dentist. <laughs> I am still somewhat on Twitter, though. I'm trying to really wow. back off of that. I do enjoy blue sky and I'm trying to make better use of Instagram. Great. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show once again. Thank you for having me for yeah. six times in a row. <laughs> So time to answer a recommendation request from M. Bria, you want to read M's request? Mm-hmm. 
Hi, y'all. I'm in search of cheesy disaster books and or underwater setting books. I'm currently reading Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant and loving it. I have a huge love for cheesy early 2000s sci-fi like The Core, 2012, uh, The Happening, and World War Z, and Journey to the Center of the Earth. But I can't seem to find books that have that same vibe. A lot of them are set in post-apocalypses, but I'm looking for more pre-present apocalypse. In terms of underwater vibes, I really love the cheesy movies, The Meg, and the one that came out a little while ago with Christian Stewart uh, that had they were working on a deep-sea oil rig, which I think is called underwater. This is Bria saying that. Uh, do you want to read M's Wheelhouse? It is fast-paced books, immersive books, queer characters are a plus, sci-fi, and sometimes contemporary romance. And the doghouse is classics, which is 1950s or older, historical, love triangles, and horror that involves a mental illness. Bria, what do you think M should read? Um, so there's a term for this, and it's called point of disaster books or point of disaster oh, apocalypse books. And that's I've like, never heard that. You don't want the road. You want to see how the road happened. You want to watch it unfold You want in the real construction time. of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're there for the construction. Yeah, that's the most horrible construction job in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's like that's it's when things happen, which I directed a movie along, uh, you know, 10 years ago uh, called Best Friends Forever, which you can watch usually at your library at Canopy. Yeah, I was going to um, say Hoopla's got it. Uh, and it was uh, a point of disaster movie where it was like, it was when the apocalypse started happening, but everyone was like, oh, it's a post-apocalyptic movie. I'm like, no, the, the apocalypse is happening. It's current. It's current apocalypse. The one that came to mind first was a book I just recently read called The Islands at the End of the World by Austin Aslan. It's set in Hawaii. I've never heard of this. Uh, it's set in Hawaii. It's on a couple different islands and there's this big disaster and technology fails and all this it centers around this family who can't get a hold of each other and they're trying to figure out what to do so it's all about it's very if you like you know yeah 2012 it's it's a very like yeah point of disaster book where you get to see things as they're unfolding what about you what do you have for m uh i'm gonna recommend an apocalyptic underwater horror by a horror author that i love it's called the deep by nick cutter and it's about this global plague that is you know annihilating humanity people are dying and then a cure is discovered but the only problem is that the ingredients used to make the cure are from deep in the Mariana Trench. Ooh. And you know, nothing good happens in a trench. No. You know, no, no. we learned that from the Meg too. And the Meg <laughs> one. <laughs> so this team is sent down to the Mariana Trench to like, you know, do research, harvest these ingredients, but soon they stop communicating with the surface. So another team is sent in after them. And like, again, nothing good happens. If you were a scientist and you're ever, someone's ever like, hey, we need to send you in after this team, say no. Nothing good is going to happen to you. And that, but that's all I'm going to tell you. So this other, the, the, the book is like this other team that's going down there to like see what happened to them. And so it's, it's, I think it's everything that Em's looking for. You know, it is very, it's fast paced, it's immersive, but it's also underwater. It's a disaster. It's like a current apocalypse. Yeah, it's really scary. Nick Cutter's books are fucking terrifying. Mm. Uh, so that's The Deep by Nick Cutter. And mine is The Islands at the End of the World by Austin Aslan. So you can send your recommendation request to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And folks, remind you, you should go check out our Void merch store. There are cute stickers. There's cute tote bags and shirts. You can get the designs on almost anything in different colors and different types of fabric. It is so fantastic and you'll look so cute and bookish like in the show notes for that and if you want to do something nice for us please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice it is fantastic for us and helps us reach more readers you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading. maximum fun a workaround network 
of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.